I'm Tom from the Ballpark Bros. Here's Mike. This next presentation on the Four-Eyed Radio Network is brought to you by Revenge Lover. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off on your order. Hi guys, uh, Brooks here. Uh, this is the Dungeons and Dragons Survival Guide Think Critical, and uh, we're here to talk about some more fun stuff today. Uh, to my right, uh, I'm Simon, the uh, erstwhile DM. My right. Uh, my name is Mina. I am the house elf and a really amazing player. And to my right, <laughs> I am Laura, the ever pungent slash DM. Everything makes sense in my head. <laughs> Did you say ever pungent? Yeah, that's okay. what I was going for, but I don't know if I pronounced it correctly. That's what I heard. I feel like you pronounced it correctly. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right word you wanted to use. But... I think it was. All right. Works for me. Okay. Well, that is everyone. Um, what's the first thing that we're going over today? Well, we usually like to start out with uh, stuff that we did in D&D over the past week. Ooh. And there were a couple of campaigns that we were in. Uh, I think we had to skip a couple oh, yeah. this week. But um, I know that we are all in a campaign together, and one of them. And at long last. At long last. I like last. it needed to happen sooner. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that is the, we call it the Doors campaign. Yeah. And, I'd uh, say, um, uh, for those in the know, it is a Planescape it's uh, I have them running around in Sidril, the city of doors. Which is ever so fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my character in that one is Anne Uritan, who is a character off of, if anybody has ever seen it, with uh, Anne of Green Gables, which is <laughs> something I grew up with, <laughs> one of my favorite characters in the world. Um, let's see. Uh, I actually talking about that cam- campaign real quick. Um, I'm really excited because I think now it is, we've kind of been just building that campaign and like world building and going over some stuff. Uh, but this past session, you guys fought a werewolf. We did. And it beat the snot out of you. Yeah, it was like most of us fought the werewolf. I spent most of that just running away. <laughs> and just getting like put in the wrong position repeatedly. It, it kept jumping and Something leaping. Something kept happening where I, suddenly I was in melee range again. Yeah. Like, I, You're like, no! <laughs> I think, Josh, I absolutely love your character design for that one. Hirona is so cute. She's just trying her best. <laughs> <laughs> with finals on her mind, like yeah. <laughs> girls distracted. Oh. <laughs> girls distracted. <laughs> Listen, she takes finals very seriously. She's a good student, you know. Yes. She's a good kid. She's the, good, good egg that Hirona. <laughs> the only reason why she's here is because time doesn't work the same, and she can still have time to study. Yeah. As far as she knows. <laughs> as far as she knows. Hey, midterms went fine. Yeah. So she's still riding that high. <laughs> And then Marina's character is he. Oh, yeah. I love my character so much. So she's just like, five, five, human, seems ordinary enough. It's just that she has like this mask. And 
it's, well, she believes it's her face, and it's, she's just a really wacky and weird character, and she's my first, I feel like, more down-to-earth and less rambunctious character, and I really, really enjoy her a lot, because she's a druid, and I love turning into a huge bear and a wolf, and it's super fun. <laughs> I think in this last campaign, one of the highlights was, uh, Fee was a cat, and oh, then, yeah, yeah. Because the ground was very soft, and Fee was a cat, and then she leaped off of Threndar, which is our Asimur character, uh, played by our friend Kevin, yep. and uh, just like went mm-hmm. and turned into a bear from a cat. It was, it was, I was so happy because like the jumping motion then turned to a bear, and it was just like, yes, this is all I wanted from a right. druid, and I got it. Well, because it was like entering the battle, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. She, like, yeah. That, that was, was really her cool. initiative, yeah. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. You know, I, all the characters in that campaign are really good. I like all the, I, all the characters in pretty much all of my campaigns are really good. I enjoy pretty much all of them. Uh, but I, I, Really, really want to see where uh, Sigil, where you guys go in Sigil. Because I think now you're kind of figuring out that you guys are basically like special forces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you guys get sent into potentially world altering calamities mm-hmm. as opposed to like uh, in another campaign we run, The Unimportant Heroes. Uh, you guys are just kind of like in the woods and stumbling into some stuff and taking jobs in a city. And, you know, it's very much more down to earth where sigil often it's like, Oh, this could be a real problem for (laughs) all the planes of existence. We need uh, someone to go take care of this. Oh, these guys are here. Find some level five idiots. (laughs) Try to save the world. I really enjoy the fact that we have an evil campaign where we start a lot of those calamities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now we have Sigil that kind of does the opposite yeah. of that. <laughs> so we're balancing ourselves out. Yeah. The whole yin yang thing it's going the same on. Same universe. <gasps> oh, don't I think I look forward to that crossover. <laughs> Me too. No, I think all of our campaigns are in the same like world. We just like miss each other just right at the Wrong moment, we're just like passing each other, like right down the streets or something. Oh, absolutely! Like, oh, dang it. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite things to do. Actually, is when eventually we'll probably get like much higher level, and <laughs> we'll retire characters. And my favorite thing to do is when new characters pop up in the world, and there's other adventures they hear about. Like, oh yeah, well, you know, one of their past adventures is like <laughs> doing something ridiculous and they're like oh well good to see that still going on (laughs) i cannot wait until that becomes felly in our queen of the damned campaign oh absolutely i miss that campaign (laughs) yeah you know um but i think one of the points that we were talking about is kind of going over um really new information for people that are like really just getting started um so Josh, do you want to start us off talking about, uh, I think our, this week we're going to talk about the dice. Yes. Yes. So looking at seven dice, because that's how many there are, um, it can seem a little intimidating at first, but actually you really only use one of them mostly, and that's the Big Papa D20. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the D20 determines the majority of roles that your character will have to make. Um, and then a lot of the other smaller dice are typically for either if you need to calculate like a percentage from one to a hundred or roll damage or some sort of specific request. Yeah. Um, so it's actually a lot less 
it looks worse than it is when you first start like looking at Absolutely. all the different tools because the yeah the d20 is really your, your bread and butter and that includes you searching for something seeing if you hit somebody mm-hmm. there's a huge array of the roles that the d20 can make um you know and a lot of that goes into when you're learning the game you'll kind of start to see that pattern where roll a d20 roll a d20 and eventually you'll kind of get the hang of it that your class and your character might be partial to maybe a d6 because they use the same spell a lot yeah. or whatever but yeah. everyone generally as a, as a standard will you'll always do the d20 as your main one yeah i i love how certain classes uh as people you know People have preferences, and they'll begin to play classes that they really enjoy. And I always love seeing the D6 collection that a rogue starts to generate, because they get sneak attack. (laughs) Yeah. And it's based off just accumulating D6s. So at level one, if a rogue is still kind of figuring out, they're like, oh, okay, I need an extra D6. And then by level 15, they just pull out, like, a barrel of D6s. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, which one will I use today? <laughs> yeah, that's true with spellcasting, too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There's, I think Blight takes, like, 4D8 somewhere. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, I feel like it's a more. bit more. Well, what's it? Disintegrate I is, like, I think 8 or 10D10 plus 40. Like, it, it does not play around. Yeah. Disintegrate is a ridiculous spell. Um. Yeah, there are several. What's it? Fireball is uh, sixty-six. Yeah. It's yeah. The spellcasters definitely, as usual, spellcasters kind of have a little bit more to focus on. Whereas, uh, say a barbarian, your wheelhouse is a D twelve, which uh, D twelve twelve sided die. Um, when we say D twelve or D six, it's literally D for dice and then the number of sides that that die has. So it, it, the shorthand is, I think, very easy to pick up on. Yeah. But, you know, Barbarian, his wheelhouse is a D12. That's his hit die, so that tells you how many hit points he has. And a lot of times they like to use a Great Axe, which does D12 damage. Oh, so yeah. they roll a D20, then they roll a D12, and if they level up, they roll a D12, and that's they don't mess around with a lot of the other dice like a Spellcaster would have to, so... Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there are a lot of different ways that classes interact with dice, and uh, like it's not locked in at all. You can, you know, you can play a barbarian that uses one-handed swords, and that's yeah. a D eight. But then you know that for your class, okay, these are the dice I need. These are the common ones. I got confused with um, at, at one point when I was first making my very first character, Maddie. Um, either you or the book or somewhere told me to roll a D one hundred. And that got me on. I actually <laughs> like, looked excuse up. Excuse me. It's like I don't have a D one hundred. It's just a perfect sphere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they have them, and I want one. Oh, they're like God. they're like the size of like a, a medicine ball, you or know, like a and, jawbreaker. Yeah, and yeah. they're really really cool. But there are two ten sided dice that go along with um, each set, and uh, one would be the ones column, and one would be the tens column. And it took me a few minutes to figure yeah. that one out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've uh, <laughs> I've had so many people when I say roll a D one hundred, just you see the disconnect in their brain is like <laughs> they look at the dice in front of them and they're like, but I only have twenty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, 
do I roll the 25 times? Like, <laughs> what, what's happening here? <laughs> Confusion. Yeah. That definitely has caused some hangups before, but... Um, yeah, so, uh, what's it? Like, Brooks was saying there's seven dice. There is the D4, which is dagger damage, and some spells use it. Uh, magic Missile, mm-hmm. one of the most famous spells in the game. Notorious for hitting the darkness. Uh, mm-hmm. D4 damage, so you just roll a D4, but you get to do it three times, or once for three different bolts of damage. Uh, so it can be a halfway decent spell. The, the bonus is that it automatically hits, and that's great. Um, then there's a D6, Friend of Rogues. Like, I... And bars. Yeah, yeah and bars. <laughs> um, several classes use a D6. It's a solid die. Yeah. Uh, then you get up to the D8s, and this is kind of where the fighters live. Um, fighters and clerics. And clerics, yeah. <laughs> clerics and fighters are kind of living in the D8 world. They are big fans of the D8 because it gives them, uh, as a fighter, you can one-hand certain weapons, and the D8 is pretty decent damage for a one-handed weapon because yeah. it gives you the option to hold a weapon in your other hand or a shield, which shields don't get enough love in this game. Like there's some, I know so many people who prefer to like just straight up two handed weapons and you know, wow. the Guilty. bigger damage. Yeah. Like the bigger damage die Cause I, there is the thought that the bigger the die, the more chance you have of getting a higher number and a certain player, not all players, but some players they have their preferred style of play is how big can I make my numbers? So I think that also depends on the type of character you're playing too, because my barbarian Feli, she absolutely was two-handed. I don't think mm-hmm. she didn't have the patience for a shield. Right. <laughs> she was just like, "Oh, we're fighting now." Oh, okay, blah. that is true. It could absolutely be like a like a character reason, and not necessarily like crunching the numbers and yeah, seeing yeah, how helpful definitely. a shield can actually be. Oh yeah, absolutely. Be. I think in Evil Campaign, Marina, your character um, Lilith. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, she has some obscene amount of additions that she can do to her She's amazing. She's, like, level 10, and she's, like, a god. And it's so much fun. (laughs) She's, like, my favorite character to roleplay and play. Because she's just... Oh, she's so much fun. Um, Yeah, she's a psychopath all the way through. And she, like, hits for a d12, and it's plus 8. And then I roll another d6 to add to that. And I'm just, like, I'm invincible. (laughs) And it's a magic weapon, too. So we It's a magic weapon. Nice yeah. two, don't you? Yeah. Oh no, that's what the eight. It's oh, in that's there. what the D, right? But okay. like, it's her strength mod plus that, uh, plus two, and then something else. I want. Rage, yeah, rage, rage, damage. Oh, rage. Damage. Um, rage. Oh. She's a barbarian, and barbarians are super fun starting out because they're really easy to play. Yeah, because they just like go in there and um, take everything out. It's they're super fun. I was against them. Yeah, absolutely. They like. I, I do think a barbarian is a fantastic beginner class or just starting class because again it's super fun. You have a great time. You hang out with all your friends, and then if shit hits the fan, you're like, "Hey, you, go break that thing," <laughs> <laughs> and then you get to have a great time going and breaking the thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, but um, well, uh, after d8s or d10s. Uh, d10s are a lot of spells use d10s um, just to give you a better chance for damage because spells. 
unlike weapon attacks, aren't modified by anything outside of certain circumstances. So if you roll an attack with a spell and it hits and it says roll a d10, whatever you get on that d10, that's your number. So if you roll a 1, you only deal 1 damage. But if you roll a 10, congrats, you deal 10 damage. You're you're putting big numbers on the board. Um, After that, d12, kind of went over that already. And last, definitely not least, the d20. The d20 is... Uh, like Brooke said, you know, that's Big Papa. That is <laughs> yeah. Yeah. the D20 is the die you use for everything. He's going to tell if it's going to be okay or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I um, am of the firm belief that you should have a set of dice for each character. Oh, same. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I feel like it, the character attunes to the type of dice. Mm-hmm. And I swear... I've been playing, and I have left dice at home, and I'll play Capetria without her dice, or I'll play uh, Anne without her dice, too, and I'll get bad rolls. I feel like that's... Honestly, I don't subscribe to any sort of superstition regarding dice. (laughs) I have one set of dice that I've used for everything, and they've always served me well. But... I don't know. I think it's just a, a, a something about D and D. I've met some people who are the least superstitious people on the planet. Who you know, if someone mentions ghosts, they scoff. If someone mentions aliens, they turn their <laughs> nose up. Someone mentions you know a deity, they immediately jump on some soapbox and start ranting and raving. But then we play D and D, and suddenly the dice can be cursed. So <laughs> <laughs> <Not> true. <laughs> Suddenly they're talking to pieces of plastic. Like, please, just I anything but a one. Just any, don't do this to me, please. I've done that so many times. Yeah, the, so bad. The bargaining with pieces of plastic and just I don't know. I like the idea of attuning though, because you in the game you if you receive a magical items, more often than not you have to attune to them so they are your magical items. So if your character spends enough time with your dice, they attune to them. No, I totally get that. And for, I mean, honestly, deep down inside, it's just an excuse for me to buy more dice than I like. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, I have there, a new character. I, I gotta oh, get a new man. set. There's I have a new the character. Truth at last. <laughs> Finally, yeah. someone said it. <laughs> but I, just a quick clarification on the dice as well. When we were going through like the four, the six, the eight, the ten, yeah. the twelve, the twenty, that's six dice. But the reason why is that you have two 10-sided dice. Oh, right. Because right. the 2d10 also function, not just for the 10 number, but that's the percentile that we kind of keep talking about, yeah. the 1 to 100. Yep. You would roll 2d10, which is where you get the 1's place and the 10's place, and that can give you your 100. Right. Yep. Just to, if you guys were counting, that, that's <laughs> 6 dice, but you have 2 of 10. Yeah, so okay. seven, die total, 7 die creates a D&D dice set. Yep. And one place that you will, uh, in fact, that we just kind of recently started talking about uh, was the trinket in the player's handbook. Uh, when you create a character, you have the option of, of rolling for a trinket yes, or a lucky charm, depending on your background or something of that nature. And if yep. you want to randomize it, you would use the 2d10s, yep. which I always found to be very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's it's super cool. I love that they like baked into the game system. Uh, a way to give your character something that the DM can really like, okay, that's a good hook. That's a great piece of meat that I can bite into and like drag you along for this story with. Cause, oh yeah. Um, 
I've known what's it? There was a one of my favorite characters was a pirate. He had the sailor background, um, but it was the like pirate subclass or whatever, like the alternate. Uh, and when he rolled on his trinket, he got the, the bell. Mm. It's a little silver bell, but it doesn't have the knocker in it. So like, if he shakes it, it's just, it's just a bell. Um, and eventually during that campaign, they were back at sea. And this time, for whatever reason, something happened. He started ringing that bell. They got attacked by mermaids. Uh, which naturally, naturally, <laughs> as you do. Uh, so mermaids were just just giving them the business, and then he had been trying it all throughout the game. And finally, he was like, "Hold on, I ring my bell." And as soon as he started ringing it, the mermaids just freaked out and started to like run away and like avoid him. And he's like, "I figured it out." Like, <laughs> you're just so happy. And then after that, you know, anytime they were like getting, because it was more of a they would they spent a fair bit amount uh a fair amount of time on the water in that campaign. And so anytime they went to the water, he's like, I'm just shaking the hell out of it. <laughs> he's like, I don't want to deal with it again. Like, he gets to his boat <laughs> yeah. with a drawstring. Yeah. Just <laughs> standing there shaking a bell that doesn't make any sound that they can hear, but like the water was clear for miles. <laughs> uh, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It was even better because he didn't realize it also attracted something. That was fun. <laughs> Dog whistle. It got rid of all the other sea creatures, but it got rid of them because something else was coming. Oh, yeah. oh man. That was the a good campaign. Yeah, that was a really fun campaign. People, They're still mad at me about that campaign. They got a really nice ship, and I just destroyed it. Or I didn't destroy it. The Kraken destroyed it. They kept calling it. It's not my fault what happens in oh, these games. That's just mean. It's not, I, <laughs> Stop trying to summon the Kraken. Put the bell down. Unless you're David Jones. Put the bell down. Take the mermaids. Yep. But actually, um, speaking of David Jones, I feel like that brings us into our uh, uh, kind of third point for this episode. Yeah. Um, we, unbeknownst to us, but kind of beknownst to us, We've been talking about character creation a fair bit this uh, these past couple episodes, um, and I thought it'd be interesting if we kind of went over characters in popular media that you can use as inspiration for a character. Um, thoughts? Well, <laughs> mine probably won't be as on the nose um, as some of them on here, so it might be kind of weird for me to go first, but... I think Go for it. So I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Annihilation. Uh, it is a sci-fi, futuristic-esque kind of movie. And um, I'm currently setting up a campaign to DM that's reskinning the D&D stuff into a futuristic setting. It's the same rules, same classes and everything, but I'm just renaming everything pretty much. So I've been looking at a lot of sci-fi movies for inspiration. And that was one that kind of inspired me. Because if you think about that movie, if you've seen it, it's about, I think, five people that kind of get sent on this journey, this, you know, sort of hero's journey, so to speak, to figure out this mystery. And it just, it seems like it has that beginnings of a D&D campaign where they're kind of going off in this land of unknown yeah. and they all have a unique set of skills. Mm -hmm. And as I was watching it, I was like, this kind of reminds you of D&D. Yes. <laughs> and uh, granted, because that this takes place in the not-so-distant future, it might even be present time, 
Um, they don't have like crazy things that would be like spells for a wizard or what have you. But what I did like, and what my, I found my brain kind of doing was looking at each character. Cause one was like a paramedic and I was like, Ooh, I bet she has a high medicine role. Mm. And she was like the strong kind of character in the, in the movie. But she also, if she was an EMT would probably have a fairly high wisdom score or maybe yeah. intelligence. So I was like in like building her in my brain, like how she would function or how she would have a high strength and a high intelligence to to make those checks. Um, and then like one was like a biologist, and I don't know, like there's like maybe she has a really high nature check. Um, and then one was very like book smart, and she was like a um, what are they called? I don't know, like a scientist or something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's the smart one. Like, she would be like the quote-unquote wizard in the low fantasy campaign, yeah. so to speak, where she might have just really good intuition or insight on um, general knowledge and things like that. So I know that's not like a specific character, but I, I really liked that. And I found my brain like wrapping around back to that movie again and again because I kept trying to like separate like which role they would function in like in a campaign setting. Which actually inspired the entire campaign that I'm doing now. So that sounds like so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I figured it was worth mentioning, even though it's not a, a specific answer. Because sometimes it's fun when you're watching any movie. Because D and D isn't always about the combat and the spells flying around everywhere. So you could really watch anything and oh, be yeah. like, I wonder what that character's even like in a Quentin Tarantino movie. You know, yeah. like what that person's intelligence would be or oh she seems like more of a dexterity fighter Absolutely. or whatever you know like mm -hmm. you can just once you start playing DD, you start to notice you like character sheet like everyone you yeah. know like movies Absolutely. and stories <laughs> and things like that yeah Some, it gets very strong somebody will fall down a horror movie and be like oh failed your dexterity save <laughs> <laughs> i know it's like it's so hard to like keep it in too sometimes mm -hmm. <laughs> especially when you're around people that like wouldn't get it you're like it's not worth it, Josh. Yeah. It's not worth it. No one's going to think you're cool. It's not worth it. In your mind, you're just sitting there cracking up. Yeah, I'm just cackling at myself. You know? But yeah, oh, man. that is, uh, I guess that was my little takeaway from what we were talking about. Absolutely. That sounds like super fun, though. Yeah. I've always wondered what it would be like to play D&D &D in the modern era. Fun. What got me <laughs> thinking about that was, uh, right? Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. That movie? That was oh, a great movie. It's really good. I haven't I mean, seen it. it. I liked it. A lot of people didn't like it. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. Yeah. But it, it basically brought like orcs and elves and kind of the same people, dwarves and things, to the modern era, or modern time frame, I should say, uh, along with humans and cars and guns and, you mm -hmm. know, all this stuff going on. And it was pretty cool. I oh, liked it. There's a whole tabletop game that's kind of like that. Is there? Simon, what's the one? Shadowrun. Shadowrun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where it's kind of like a modern sort of setting, but with like elves and orcs and stuff like that. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, it, it's uh, Shadowrun is basically a future where there are, there is no government. There's only cor corporations. Uh, businesses have bought out the government, and there's a lot of like espionage and um, what's it like corporate intrigue. Uh, and that's kind of the world as it is, but then this great, like, calamity happens, and magic is suddenly, like, spilled back into the world, and some people are mutated, so hmm. it's completely random, but uh, everyone was a human, and then a mutation happened, and suddenly they were, you know, elves and dwarves and orcs and things of that nature, but it's, uh, 
it's a really cool, it's an interesting world, but a lot of time it's literally a heist and <laughs> heists in any role playing game just aren't actually heists. They are 100% like smash and grab. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone at the start of a heist in an RPG campaign, everyone thinks they're going to be like Danny Ocean in Ocean's Eleven <laughs> and like all cool and confident. Things are just going to work. And then like by the end, it's actually more like jackass. <laughs> like, they're just screaming, flying by the seat of their pants. Someone does something stupid to see if it works. Like, it, just, it never actually goes the way it's supposed to go. <laughs> I have a great feeling about this, guys. <laughs> go with me on this one. Yeah. Follow my lead, guys. Oh, my God. No, uh, that's my favorite... My favorite thing to hear behind the DM screen is like, okay, guys, I got this. Because that just means my job's done. I'm <laughs> <laughs> about to do something real stupid. And I'm just going to get to hang out for a while. Oh, <laughs> while yeah. everyone at the table screams. <laughs> <Get out. laughs> um, but kind of bringing it uh, back to that idea. Um, I think for me, all of my characters, except for... Uh, Capetri and Feli have been based off of some kind of character like uh, for the Sigil campaign or for the Doors campaign Anne is based off of um, Anne of Green Gables which I grew up with and the Netflix just did a new take on it it was really well done was it? I thought yeah I nice. really liked it I'll check it out um, but it's kind of like she talks all the time she's really fast and she's always very chipper and she doesn't want to hurt anything and uh, it's super fun <laughs> and then Neva Moon is based off of um, Morty from Rick and Morty. <laughs> and I went and did the whole voice thing along with it, too. Like, oh, geez, guys. <laughs> I love that character so much. Um, oh, God. I'm trying to think of other ones that are, I've based off of. I know you've done. Yeah, what, uh, what about Miss Mina? Um, characters I based. I based Fee off of this anime that I watched recently, and it was really good. It was called Violet Evergarden, and the animation is beautiful, and it was very, like, I don't know, it was just so magical, and I really, she's, like, she doesn't understand people's emotions, and so she, like, tries really hard to, like, you know, um, understand what these people are going through, but she doesn't get it because she's, like, She's like was built as a soldier, and I was like, "Ooh, that's really interesting." And she like has like a really, you know, English accent and very, you know, it was just fun. Yeah. And I, yeah. I based it off of that particular character. And I was just watching that show; it's amazing. Did nice. you base Lilith off of one of those? <clears throat> um, I don't, I don't think so. No? I just, I just, if you, I would suggest watching anime because you'll find the best inspiration like it's so amazing because anime for me was like the source of all my characters and getting yeah. very wacky and like you know getting you know obnoxious and outrageous and i think anime uh definitely lends itself to the kind of more cartoony aspects of D because D D can be super serious um, and your your players can be like, oh, we're you know this is like Lord of the Rings and high fantasy, and we're all stern knights and, <laughs> and uh, you know wise wizards, and uh, our rogues are actually roguish, and so on and so forth. But at a certain point, all of that just kind of gets done away with, and 
the sheer cartooniness of anime, I think, lends itself well to D&D. Because the serious stuff is serious, and it's really fun for what it is. But eventually, there's a campaign where you sit down and just insanity happens. (laughs) (laughs) You have to have the plucky comic relief. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. and no matter how hard you try, someone makes a joke, and the table just loses their mind. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's so hard to bring it back around mm-hmm. yeah exactly i will say though that in the defense of anime there are a lot of anime out there that do lend to more of those serious roles yeah. as well like if you really want to have daddy issues just watch evangelion once i know you know yeah. and there's plenty of tragic characters in anime as well that although you could argue err on the side of melodrama sometimes don't yeah. always and i don't know like i will say that anime does have the advantage over a lot of other media in the sense that as a, as a cartoon essentially, but made for a wider age gap, yeah. you get a huge amount of different stories and themes and feelings when you watch anime. Whereas like if, if you're watching like American cartoons, you, you know what generally is for children or young adults, depending on what you're watching. Yeah. But um, no anime, I think has a huge kind of array and you're used to probably, you don't watch a lot of anime, like the one or two, but yeah, if you can sit down and watch an anime and not hate it, there are <laughs> mm-hmm. a lot of different, um, it's very inspiring. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I yeah. think it's also very, it has a more wide variety of possibilities of creativity. Mm-hmm. Like if you're watching a live action movie, I mean, there's CGI, of course, but um, I feel like anime has that just huge plethora of things that they can draw from. Like, I've been watching the Ancient Magus Bride. Amazing show. And, I mean, it's just so pretty. And I don't think you could do that on any other medium, you know? So That's such a good point that I, I feel yeah. like I actually thought I was going to make when I just, like, ran my mouth two seconds ago. Was that exactly it? Is that yeah. regular stuff, it's so much more expensive to do the craft that anime does in an animated sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like you typically see anime also go over the top or play around with all more abstract visuals yeah. because they don't have to you know create it in three in three yeah and mm-hmm. i think a, a really good place to go for inspiration is Hayao miyazaki movies mm-hmm. and um anything that has that style of really deep storytelling and just really really pretty stuff um i know a, a lot of the characters if you were going for you know maybe a smaller character a lot of the the female characters they're, they're so like strong and and yeah. wonderful characters but they're also tiny <laughs> you know? yeah. so that's kind of uh, not that I got the inspiration from there but it reminds me of my character Belly who is a gnome barbarian and she's tiny but she wields a very large axe yeah. <laughs> it makes me very happy inside yeah. Miyazaki like when you first said that right now I was like is that a good inspiration because they kind of all hit one note but then I thought about it and I'm like no actually like if you think about like Princess Mononoke like there's yeah. so mm-hmm. many cool characters of like different because you have the the leader of Iron Town, yeah. Lady Aboshi or whatever, yeah. and she's not little; she's just a badass. Yeah. Yeah. but she also has this like 
You know, like she's kind of the bad I guy, would... but she's also kind of like thinking of her people. It, yeah. It's so good. Like, I would totally stat her as a fighter with maybe like one level dip into Bard. Maybe. But yeah, she's fighter. Like she's just like yeah. strong as hell, but like mm-hmm. she she's like a battle master fighter. Like she just barks orders and like punches people into <laughs> line, right? Like, no, like the reason she's in charge of Iron Tab is because nobody has the sand to try and knock her from her. Her. And <laughs> like, it's just from like her luck. Like yeah. she, if you, the way that she like talks to her followers, like she isn't like necessarily. I, I mean, I guess she is commanding, but yeah. she isn't like the bad kind. Like you can tell everyone respects her. Yeah, and yeah. like that's nobody knows that they could do. They know that they couldn't do a better job than she could. Yeah, I think that's. A, I, I don't think it's a level dip into bard. I think it's just a battle master fighter with a really good charisma modifier. Definitely. And she uses the bow, or in yeah. this case, the gun. Yeah, like she's the, like the range a dex fighter. fighter instead of a. Yeah, no, totally. I can see it. That's that. Yeah, I, I like Oh my it. god, we should like set out the entire princess. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> if you think about the, the princess herself, she's like a little dex fighter, you yeah. know, maybe she's a rogue or a ranger or something. Ranger. I'm yeah, thinking, yeah, I could see ranger, maybe with a little druid. But when you see ranger. her swinging around with her little dagger a couple mm-hmm. times, you're like, oh, girl knows what she's doing. <laughs> like, maybe the wolves taught her a thing or two. Yeah, yeah listen. Well, say, oh, such a good one. Inspiration, I think, comes from anywhere because your character, Simon Bill, Oh, yeah. of, uh, Gangs uh, of New York. Yeah, I love uh, Gangs of New York. I think it's just a really fun, entertaining movie. Um, and one of the characters, the main antagonist, is a guy named uh, Bill the Butcher, William something. Um, and he's like this crazy xenophobic, you know, uh, puts like, he hates immigrants. <laughs> like he's a super evil character. And he, uh, he cut out one of his eyes because he got, he lost a fight and he turned away in shame. And so the eye that turned away, he cut out of his head oh, and he said, geez. I would have cut both of them out if I could have afforded him to be blind. Uh, <laughs> but like, so he has this like fake eye that he like taps on to intimidate people. And he's just, a, but He's insanely charismatic, and uh, during the course of the movie, you kind of end up liking him. He just he he has this raw force of uh, just charisma, and you end up liking him uh, throughout. He makes an excellent villain because even if you don't agree with him or agree with all the evil, nasty stuff he does, you still like him a little bit, and you're mm-hmm. like, I don't, I shouldn't like you, but you're just so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the, sometimes with like villains and things like that, the biggest turnoff can be like deception. Yeah. And if somebody like just wears their heart on their sleeve, even yeah. if they're a bad person, yeah. you for some reason over time you start to like strangely like need to stop yourself from empathizing with them. Or yeah. like if they just say it how it is and there's never really a, a like they never are like double talking or hiding anything, you tend to like respect them an inch more, like even if they're totally like terrible people. I don't know. That's something that I noticed with myself. Yeah. Yeah, with, definitely. I I am a little bit guilty of taking villain personalities and giving them to D&D characters as, mm-hmm. a, um, like as a DM. Mm-hmm. I will make my villains and I will give them personalities of really terrible, awful, but wonderful bad guys. <laughs> like, I just got done watching um, uh, the new revamp of Lost in Space and Dr. Smith was done so well, I thought, <laughs> personally. Um, but she's just 
will say and do anything to survive or to turn things in her favor. And I'm like, ooh, that would be such a good beholder or something <laughs> of that nature. You know, the really high intelligence yeah. and just unscrupulous and uh, ambiguously in morality. It is so much fun once you start DMing and getting into creating ideas and characters and stories. Like suddenly like you realize like the world around you has been uh, you know, a pool of inspiration. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I um what's it? One of my uh, a movie that I don't really like because I enjoy the original story, but uh, the movie Troy with Brad Pitt oh, and yeah. Eric Bana. Um uh, what's his name? Orlando Bloom's in it. And mm-hmm. There's a yeah. bunch of big names. Um, the the story it tells is just kind of meh in comparison to the actual story in the Iliad uh, or before the Iliad. No, it's the Iliad. Anyway, um, <laughs> but the character type, like the fighting in it, is phenomenal. And for martial archetypes, I can think of no, like, very few movies with better examples. Uh, there's a character in the movie named Ajax, who is the quintessential barbarian. He, they design different fighting styles for every character, and his fighting style, he has a giant hammer, and he just swings it as hard as he, there's a scene in the movie where this guy on a horse is charging him, and he just swings his massive shield and hammer, just bashes the horse aside, like just knocks the horse to the ground and grabs the guy and just pummels him to death. And then he's walking up the beach and you see him like snarling and he looks down, there's an arrow in his leg and he just breaks it off and continues fighting. Yep. And, like he is <laughs> the quintessential barbarian. Uh, but then you have like the skilled fighter Achilles. Uh, there's this another scene at, uh, when they take this beachhead. Achilles fights all these men on the steps of a temple. And the way he moves, the way like everything is so precise that it, like, he is a fighter. He's trained and trained and trained right. and trained his entire life to kill some other to kill people, and like he just sees everything in the battle going on all at once. So there's a part he stabs a guy, bashes someone with a shield, and then he throws a shield on his back. And right as the shield goes on his back, two arrows hit the shield, <laughs> like just perfect yeah. timing. And he's just like just this whirlwind moving through this area. And I was like, ah, so good. Like I. I that to me is the difference I think between a fighter and a barbarian. A barbarian is a, and barbarian and fighter are both martial classes, but their inspirations can be radically different. They don't always have to be that, but I I always say that's the difference between a barbarian will just get stuck in and count on their strength to carry them through. And a fighter will get stuck in and uh, rely on their experience to carry them through and their like teachings and whatnot. So like, I feel like I'd still stick with the first guy, though. Yeah. <laughs> what was his name? Ajax. Yeah. Yeah. But it really cleans up the competition. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ajax is absolutely nuts. And, like, but, yeah, I always loved that character because he was just this giant that, like, no like no one could stop. Uh, eventually, you know, the movie's about heroes dying, and eventually Ajax meets his match and uh, is taken out, but, like, even in that fight, he's stabbed in the chest and he still just punches the guy that stabbed him and like just <laughs> grabs him and is like choking and like he just grapples this yeah, guy. He's yeah, he's in rage right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's <laughs> wild. The whole thing is pretty nuts. But uh, 
anyway, I think uh, I feel like you can find. We've said it before, uh, but you can find inspiration everywhere. Go out, see what you like, and when you find it, copy it. Change some things. Uh, you know, take what you really like, add your own unique twist to it, and then sit down at a table and have some fun. And I promise you. Unless someone is really paying attention, no one's going to have any idea what your inspiration was pulled from. Yeah. I so, think you know, don't worry about it. Even if you do go off of another character or someone that, or a character that you've created, I think eventually you are going to make it your own. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't actually sit there and play the character that you're basing your character off of. I mean, the behavioral traits can be there, but it's like you say it's not going to be the same like we're not paid actors we're yeah. doing our best like, like <laughs> Come it's, it's going to get a little weird <laughs> and oh. even so like even if somebody calls it or whatever or you're afraid like you have to realize that your main goal is to run a campaign if you're dming yeah and to make sure that everyone's having a fun time if you're not this accomplished writer or this like hyper creative that's literally making up characters constantly this might be your way to sort of still have that gratification of, you know, entertaining people without holding yourself accountable for making up an entire new human being in the world. Like, honestly, you have to draw inspiration from somewhere. I think that goes with any kind of creative endeavor. It's like, you can't be afraid to admit that in my opinion, there's no like true creativity and you're always pulling from something and reappropriating it and kind of twisting it around and, that's really how you get started with everything in DMing. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and a lot of times, I don't think people are even going to notice when they're playing because they're focused on, you know, playing their characters and role playing and getting into the mind state of their character. Right. As a DM, they probably are not going to notice that, you know, you might be took the, you know, skeleton of your world or your campaign from like Willow or, yeah. uh, you know, from some 80s fantasy movie that was amazing but under you always yeah (laughs) you always think that they're gonna get it yeah but usually they don't like i played a campaign for like eight months with a bunch of people we all played league of legends and i homebrewed every villain to literally have the same exact skill set that the league of legends characters how or one of them had yeah and nobody caught it like (laughs) i was like this is literally this character they're like oh my god like, oh, oh. <laughs> like, that's exactly what they do in the game. Like, how did you not? I was almost like frustrated that they didn't get it because I was kind of like hoping one of them would like give me a wink or not. Like, <laughs> you know, somebody understands what I'm doing, but no, yeah. Yeah. never. Yeah. The recognition. I had to tell on myself. Like, I was like, no, dumb dumb, it was friendly. <laughs> Playing this every single day of your life. How, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? Oh, man. But yeah, absolutely. I think. Drawing your inspiration, I think if you're looking for inspiration for a character, start doing that when you watch something or when you're playing a video game or something. Start um, building the stats for them. Yeah. And eventually you'll have an amazing character. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. But I feel like we're getting up there in minutes. I think so. If anybody has any questions on the dice or... Uh, if they have anything that they want to talk about as far as inspiration, uh, you can always hit us up on our social media. Uh, as soon as this is posted, we'll post it on uh, Instagram and Facebook at least, and uh, probably Twitter as well. 
And Eventually. Uh, if you are, were, are looking for us and would like to uh, get in on the conversations that we might be having, uh, you can give us a search at Think Critical. I believe it is DDSG or Dungeons and Dragons Survival Guide. And you will find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all those wonderful places that people communicate through. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And as always, we hope to see you at the table and come talk to us. We're lonely. <laughs> Some more than others. <laughs> it's okay, Simon. Ghost <laughs> turns it on me. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. bye. bye.